When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hello, I'm Saida Garrett, an uppity knitter and host of the Uppity Knitter Podcast, Celebrity Hobbies Uncovered, a show about your favorite celebrities and their unusual hobbies. Welcome. My guest today is a legendary seven-time Grammy Award-winning and twice-Oscar-nominated musician, composer, and educator, the remarkable Terrence Blanchard. Let me tell you something about Terrence. This man has been a consistent artistic force for making powerful musical statements in film and television. He stands tall as one of jazz's most important trumpeters and composers. He's globally recognized as a dazzling soloist and a prolific creator of musical composition for film, television, the opera stage, Broadway, the L.A. Phil, and from his work composing scores for over 20 Spike Lee projects spanning over three decades, ranging from the documentary When the Levees Broke, to Lee's film, The Five Bloods, Blanchard has interwoven beautiful melodies that created strong backdrops to these human stories, like Regina King's One Night in Miami, Casey Lemon's Harriet and Eve's Bayou, George Lucas's Red Tails, where we met on the set in Prague, also the drama series Perry Mason, the National Geographic limited series Genius Aretha, and among others, Gina Prince by the Wood and Viola Davis's critically acclaimed feature film, The Woman King. 
Terrence Blanchard, thanks so much for accepting my invitation to help me kick off my brand new career in podcasting. I'm truly honored to have you as my guest today. Thank you for asking me to be. I'm honored that you asked, that you called me. I'm just, I'm just so honored to be here. Thank you. However, we did collaborate on a song for the film Red Tails. Yeah. Unfortunately, the scene got cut, and yeah. so did the song. But it still remains one of my favorites. Um, uh, you know, all of a sudden. Anyway, uh, right. you know, we got to listen. I was excited to do it when they told me. I was going to get a chance to work with you, man. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go, let's go. I love it. I love yeah, it. And I, I was heartbroken when they cut the scene, but, I, you know, but it was a beautiful song. Thank you. And thank you. It happens. Sure. It happens. So today we're going to talk about your hobbies, like when you're not on the stage or on set or in the recording studio. Mm -hmm. Please tell our listening audience, Mr. Terrence Blanchard, mm -hmm. your unique hobby. Uh, I have a few. I mean, I'm an avid sports fan. You know, I'm a big NFL fan, unfortunately, from New Orleans. So I'm suffering right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also a big F1 fan. You know, me and my my youngest daughter. Is that uh, Formula One? Yeah, yeah. We, we love watching Formula One. Wow. But my activity that I love to do the most that a lot of people probably wouldn't associate me with is boxing. Ooh. I've been boxing for like over 20 years. What? Yeah, it's been one of my hobbies that I really, really love. I get into the whole idea of the chess match between opponents. You know, it's, I mean, when you really start to study the sport, I, I really start to admire anybody who enters the ring, whether they win or lose, because the journey to get to that stage in your life is such an incredible one filled with with dedicated work, man. Wow. You have to just tip your hat to any of those guys who make it to that level. Wow. What first got you interested in boxing? Was there a boxer who inspired you? You know, it started out just as a fitness thing. I, I walked by this gym and I saw these heavy bags in New Orleans. And um, I walked in and this guy, um, his name was Charlie Gallagher. He was a trainer. He was a local trainer in New Orleans kind of took me under his wing. But then, man, I met a I met a, a, a guy who became one of my best friends, man. His name was Michael Bent. And uh, Michael Bent was a heavyweight champion at one time. Mm. And uh, he beat Tommy Morrison for the title. And as a matter of fact, if you watch the movie uh, Ali, at the beginning of the movie, because he's also an actor. Yes. At, at the beginning of the movie, when you see Will Smith fighting Sonny Liston, that's that's Michael Bent. Wow. Yeah, and he's the guy that became my trainer. He's also the guy that gave me the story for my first opera about Emil Griffith. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And me and he's that's that is my dude, man. So, you know, we we've been training for over twenty years. You know, and it's you still like, train with him today. I don't get a chance to train with him as much because he's in Atlanta. He's not in LA anymore. Right, right. But, but I still go to the boxing gym here in in, uh, in uh, Topanga. What does your boxing routine consist of? Pain. Is it, you, you have a trainer. <laughs> you have a, a pain. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, no, no. I mean, a lot of it has to do with like the warm ups are like just trying to get your body your body temperature up and getting your muscles loose. So that's either jumping rope or doing ring uh, work for maybe three or four rounds, mm. you know. And then some, the rest of it, it depends on the day. Some of it is like heavy bag work for right. maybe five or six rounds and then doing mid work with a trainer. 
the mid work is where it really becomes like like taxing because you know the trainers can really push you really hard. It, when you say mid work, does that mean working your your core? No, 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 no mid work. Oh, mid mid work. Yeah, Got yeah it. when the trainers are holding the mitts for you and they're calling calling out punches. Got it. Oh, exactly. oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So when the trainer has his mitts up, he's telling you what punch he wants you to hit on what mitt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We work on a lot of combinations a lot of times, you know, because you want to get in the habit of throwing punches, right? Yeah. And then moving underneath, keeping your body and keeping your balance and keeping your body in a position to throw punches. So they come up with a lot of combinations to move you around the ring. And that can be like really, really taxing. Wow. Because once it gets your heart rate up, you think those guys would stop? No, they don't. They only stop when they see your eyes roll back in the back of your head. <laughs> Do you go to boxing matches? Uh, you know, I've I've gone to when I was in New Orleans. I used to go to lo- local fights all the time. You know, um, oddly enough, man, when the championship fights come up, man, I'm I'm always on the road, so I never got a chance to really uh. to experience that. But I've been in some gyms. I was in Freddie Roach's gym here in L.A. You know, when they were training some guys uh, for for um, Olympic competition, and I love it. I I, I love it because I, you know people really don't understand what it takes to to do that because everybody thinks it's just a barbaric sport and it is a violent sport. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. But the technique that's involved with being able to keep your balance, keep yourself upright, move around the ring, keep your distance. You know. Because a lot of it is deception. A lot of times, you know, if you're in a in a fight, a lot of times make you can make it look like you can't reach your opponent, but actually he's right in your distance. So a lot of that is a psychological thing that wow. that happens, and it's very much like playing jazz. It is very, it is so similar to me because you learn there's six basic punches, you learn those, and then there's movement that you learn, but then the rest of it is creativity. Wow! You know? and, and so it's like a solo. It is. It's like a solo. It it is also like, it's also like a duet that's improvised because you know you start to learn your opponent's tendencies while you're in the fight. You know, mm-hmm. Michael. Ben, when I was spar with him, he had a tell. You know, all the time when he would want to throw his big power shot, he his hand would twitch just just ever so slightly. <laughs> so when so I you knew it was out, coming. Oh my God! So when I figured it out when we were sparring. I would yell out, here's, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And he would start to laugh, and then he would have to change up, which kind of saved my life, because I, I knew, man, oh, my God. I, a- I, I tell you this. One time, this guy, we were sparring, and, you know, he's my friend. So he never really hurt he never, you. No, 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 no. But, but we do get competitive sometimes. So there was one time he kept doing this combination, and he would duck underneath, and he'd move to my left. He would do this combination, duck underneath, move to my left. So, man, I got, I tried to time it because he would go pop, pop, and then move. And go pop, pop, and then move. So when he did pop, pop, I went to throw, and he threw another punch and caught me square on the button. (laughs) He knew you were checking him, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, he was setting me up. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kept doing it on purpose, and he said, oh, I know you think this is what I'm going to do this next time, but it's not. That's funny. Yeah, but I love it. I love love the sport. When you are performing on stage with your trumpet, Mm -hmm. do you ever mimic your boxing moves? You know, like, 
You know what's interesting about that? You know, it, <laughs> you know, you know what's really interesting about that? It helps with my balance a great deal. Because I move around the stage. I never like to stand in one place. Right. You know, I learned that from watching Miles. Um, and in the process of doing that, you know, you have to, you know, make, make sure that you, you stay upright. Because even though I'm playing the trumpet, I'm still trying to get the maximum amount of leverage to get airflow up through my system and out into the horn. So I have to make sure that everything is like balanced and, and equal, you know, so it does help. Wow. For sure. So the cardio that you do to, to prep for your boxing training mm -hmm. also helps you with your breathing when you're blowing the trumpet. Saida, let me tell you something. When I first started boxing, I'll never forget this. <laughs> uh, the horn, the guy who makes my horns, David Monette, he was doing a conference someplace and he had a booth with all of his horns and I hadn't seen him in a while, but I had been boxing for a while and I'd been doing a lot of heavy breathing, a lot of workout, a lot of cardio, get my conditioning up. Right. And he brought me a horn to check out and my sound was different. Ooh, is that in a good way or? Definitely in a good way because I was producing more air. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's, you know, listen, Winton plays basketball. Freddie Hubbard played basketball. Miles Davis box, I found out. You know, so a lot of those guys had activities that kind of kept their, kept them in shape. I love it. Do you ever compete when or just work out for the boxing thing? I sparred with guys in gyms. I mean, I'm left-handed, so when I was living in New Orleans, you know, the the boxing gym that I went to, they had a lot of guys who were trying to turn pro. So I would always be the guy that they would put in there because they never they, they weren't accustomed to fighting left handers. Left handers. But oh, that's I, interesting. Know, I would always I'd always spot these young young boys that were too damn fast, you know. <laughs> but did you get them with the with that hook with the with the with the right no. hook? Oh no. Okay, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what's you know what's funny about it? You know, I remember I was sparring this one young kid, man. And he was really quick. He was really quick. And I kept trying to bait him into something. And I almost got him. And when I threw when I threw a shot at him, he he you know he 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 moved out of the way of the shot, but I had overextended my arm, right? And it was funny because we had to stop fighting, we had to stop sparring. But one of the trainers goes, "Yeah, but you looked good though, man." <laughs> <laughs> you go to boxing matches? Yeah, I love. Listen, I, as many as I mean, you know, as many as many as I can watch, I try to. Wow. You know, you know as, um, Mike Bent, a lot of times, you know, him and I have another friend of mine, Jonathan Berticelli, um, whose father was a. Check this out. His father was a pro fighter in Italy mm. during the war. Oh. And wow. when I, I was working on one of Spike Lee's movies. Um, a miracle at St. Anna, which was about, you know, the war and the Buffalo soldiers. Yes. Yes. And, and I had a party at my house one night and all of these people came up to my studio and um, this actor who was there, he had come up to the studio and I was showing him some of the movie and Jonathan, he got really emotional and I didn't, I couldn't understand why. And I asked him later on, I said, well, what's going on, man? He said, listen, he said, me and my brother got emotional watching that, those scenes because our father learned how to box from Joe Lewis when he was a Buffalo soldier stationed in Italy. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, yeah. So me and Jonathan, man, we're still good friends to this day. We, you know, we have a we have like a group of us. You know, we're text when there's a fight on or something goes on, something controversial happens. We're you know, <laughs> we're all on our phones trying to keep in touch with each other. I love that. It's good to have peeps that are into what you're into. It helps you live longer, man. A community. Well, you know what it is? The, the, the other thing, too, it really makes makes you appreciate what you do for a living. You know what I mean? Yes, because yes. You start, when you start to communicate with other people who are accomplished in other areas and other fields, you start to see that level of dedication. What kind of remind, It kind of reminds you of, of how much time and effort you put into your thing. Yes, you know, indeed. As a matter of fact, you know, when, 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 I'm, when I would be sparring with Mike Bent and he would catch me or hit me, I'd get a little discouraged just because of my competitive nature. And the pain. Right, right and the pain. Right. <laughs> and he would always have to remind me. He'd say, hey, bro, you don't see me on the bandstand with you, do you? Oh, <laughs> so you're in his you're in his world now. Right, right. I he understand. Said, this is what I do for a living, man. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Is there a professional boxer that you feel has the best boxing style right now? Oh, man, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, because some of the guys that I've always loved, you know, Antonio Marco Barrera was one. He's retired now, but he was like a really compact fighter. His technique was like in, 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 impeccable. Um, oh, man, I'm thinking of one guy. I'm looking right at his face. I can't think of his name right now, but I used to love him because he was so slick. He'd always look like he was a little out of shape, but when he would fight, he always had a way of being prepared but he made it look like he was not prepared like for example if he would catch a punch he wouldn't try to block it with his hand he would block it with his shoulder and when he got close he was ready to turn around oh boom, my goodness catch with, catch with a power shot um why can't i think of his name i'm looking right at his face but all of those guys roy jones all of those guys i love all of those guys roy jones was amazing because he kind of reminded me of Ali in the sense that Roy was so quick. Mm. He was able to make mistakes and with his defense because he could get out the way. Right. You know? But that's what caught up to him when he fought Tolliver because, you know, when you get a little older, that fraction of a second that mm. you lose, mm. you know, just because of age makes a huge difference. Yes. You know? That's why boxing <laughs> is a young man's game. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if you were a professional boxer, who would you want to box? Well, I would probably want to box anybody who was at the at the top, top of the game. Yes, at the, at, yes. You know, but because because it, it isn't, and it's not a macho thing. It it it's really because these guys are so masterful in the way they could move around the ring, the way they could set you up by doing certain things. Yes. You know what I mean? Like one of the things when I would spar Mike, it was always amazing to me because. I'm standing right in front of him and I wouldn't know where the punches were coming from because his, his, I can't explain it. You have to see it, but his body motion, like if he throws a jab, right? The way that starts is the same way this starts. Oh, so you can't tell what's coming. No, I mean, it's, it's no, because his technique is great. Now, some guys, when they throw a shot, they're going to wind up, do all this, that, those guys. No, as a matter of fact, I was in the gym one time because Mike Mike was there training the son of a friend of mine who was who was turning pro. And actually, he just turned pro. His name is Sean. Sean uh, what? Sean, Sean Hemphill. Mm. He's a young fighter. Um, and Mike was there training him. But there was this this dude who was muscle bound dude who wanted to get in the ring with a heavyweight champion. And Mike was like, No, 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 no. I'm here for this guy. 
So he looks at me and he wants to spar with me. And I knew what was up because I knew I knew the guy. I'd seen him before. But he's one of these guys. He's got nothing but muscles, no body fat or whatever. But he thinks he's a fighter and he's not. So I'm sparring a guy and I trained with, with, with Mike Bent, you know, and I know all of his, I've learned all of his technique of keeping my hands in, keeping mm-hmm. my hands up, right? And and when I throw a jab, it starts from here. You don't see my jab come here and then back. It starts and just moves forward. I see. Right. So I'm sparring with this guy and he's throwing all of these wild punches. And I kept catching his punches and throwing them back. And all of a sudden, over in the corner, I could hear Mike Bent and some other trainers giggling like, because <laughs> I know this guy didn't expect this gray-haired old man. <laughs> Did you hurt him? Did you hurt him, Terrence? I didn't hurt him. Okay, okay. I heard that when a boxer is... I heard his, I heard his feelings probably more so than that. Yeah, yeah. His ego was bruised. Um, I have heard and I've seen when a boxer gets knocked out, Mm-hmm. They are on the mat going. What happened? Yeah, I mean, Mike told me that he said sometimes you can't, you you, you don't you don't feel it, you don't feel it at all. You, you just know? go to sleep. Yeah, that's it. That's I mean, it's like somebody takes, comes over and clicks the switch. But you have to watch his fight when he beat Tommy Morrison, you know, because it was it was an incredible fight because Tommy kind of overlooked him, right, you know, right. and. Tommy came in really wanting to hurt him. And Tommy would throw wild punches like this. You know, all of his punches would come from way back here. And when you do that, you know, guys who are skilled can catch that and counter off of that, right? Right. And, man, you know, you see it. I, he hit this dude in the first round and knocked him down. He won the fight, I think, like in the first or second round or something like that. Mm. Just not totally. And right after that, he fought a guy named Herbie Hyde, who was unconventional. Herbie Hyde fought like this, kept his hands up. Instead of like this, he kept his hands up like this, right? Wow. And it was unconventional. Like and, fist, um, palm forward in the fist? Yeah, like wow. Yeah, as wow. opposed to trying to, you know, cover yourself. Right. And it was awkward for Ben, and he wound up knocking Ben out. Wow. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally. 
I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Welcome back to the Uppity Knitter Podcast. We're here with the remarkable Terrence Blanchard. Yeah. So really, boxing is about an economy of, of movement. You don't want to stretch out your limbs too much unless you know that punch is going to land. Exactly. Interesting. Because the whole thing is you're trying to, you're trying to protect yourself and hit and not be hit. Right. That's, that's right. It's, it's like chess. It's just, you know how in chess you always make a move? Whenever you make a move, that piece has to be protected. Yes. But, and so it's it's a very similar thing. You know, for example, when you throw a jab, look how my arm is, right? That's yes. the improper way to throw a jab. The way to throw a jab is up here so that your shoulder's protecting your face. Oh, wow. Yeah. I noticed that, but I didn't know why they, I thought it was just like, look, look at me. I'm cool. Look, look, look. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. my gosh. That's interesting. And it all happens in a split second timing. Yes, of all, course. All, you know, all of it, you know, I used to have a habit of throwing my jab and then bringing my hand down here, uh, right? That's the proper thing to do. Throw your jab and bring, bring your hand back. back. Yes. And wow. when I would bring my hand down, man, Michael popped me with the mitt. Right? I see. Back. I see. You, you yeah. helped to score uh, Spike Lee's Mo Better Blues. And yeah. in it, there's a scene when Denzel Washington's character got attacked and he was hit in the mouth and it ruined his ability to play. When, yeah. when you're boxing, do you ever fear getting punched in the mouth? Well, no, because, you know, I mean, it is a concern. And I used to I used to wear these, this mask that had a, a, a bar in the front. To protect your... That, that thing would make me hyperventilate because you start to get claustrophobic. Oh. But, but when we spar, you know, the way we spar, we spar shoulders down, no headshots. Ah. Yeah. I didn't know no. that. Yeah, is it well? It's an unwritten rule in in like in amateur gyms: no uppercuts and Ooh. no headshots. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Do the do boxers 
normally obey those rules? Or? <laughs> <laughs> the good, but you know what? The great, the good ones do. do. Okay, okay. It's all. It's always the guys who are trying to prove something. See, here's the thing about boxing that I love that most people don't get. When you're in a gym with pros and people who really respect the sport, it's about learning. Right. Everybody gets. I mean, like, it's amazing what can happen. You, you'll you spar with somebody and somebody will watch you. And they never talk to you while you're sparring because you can get hurt. So nobody tries to distract you while you're sparring. Right. But after it, people will pull you aside and say, hey, man, I saw, you know, when you, when you, when you threw your jab, you should faint and then come back and throw a jab sometimes to throw a guy off his rhythm. Right. Or, or any little thing like that, you know. And it's always great because... People are always trying to learn and help other people learn. It's the guys that really don't respect the sport that come in with the macho attitude about, oh, I want to come in here and be the guy. Right. Those are the guys that wind up getting hurt. I saw that happen in a gym, you know, where they wanted to spar with this guy. And uh, the guy that they wanted to spar with was a big guy. And he was just trying to get in some work to work on his defense or anything. You know, but this other guy came in with a macho attitude and he threw a shot at this guy and the guy countered. And when he countered, boom, he countered and clocked him on the top of his head. And then he got upset. Oh, because he got hit in the head. Yeah, he got. And I was standing right there. And he didn't. He got. Yeah, he got clocked. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Did he go? Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> he was he was close. He was close, but his feelings were so hurt, man. He got he got upset, man. I see what you did, man, Bob. And we were all like, "Bro, come on, man! You 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 threw a punch, and the guy just countered your punch. You're the one that went after him, not right. the other way around." Right. So those are the gym rules that we all try to abide by. And I got in the ring with the same guy right after that, you know. And uh -oh. me and him went to no, no, no. It was fine. Me and him went two rounds, and and again, I'm left-handed, so and you know. I have this gray hair, so my speed is a little deceptive. People don't think that I'm as quick as I am. So, you know, when I caught him with a jab, he said, oh, okay. But it but it was a learning process for him. It let he, him know. Well, not to take anybody for granted. Don't judge a book, my friend. Yeah, not to take anybody for granted. So, And then for me, it was a learning process because the dude had long arms, man. You know what I mean? Quite an advantage. Quite an advantage. Oh, oh my God. I felt like I was swinging at air. You know he can I mean? reach like, you. You never could get close to him. <laughs> well, what do you do in your downtime when you're not boxing and you're you're on the road? When I'm on the road, man, I'm I'm either like researching stuff, you know, you see these this equipment behind me. I don't I don't have a tech person, you know, so a lot of times I'm doing my own studies. Mm searching, learning how to program these things, you know, trying to find out what's the next technology. Or a lot of times I'm sitting down, like, you know, checking out other people's music. Nice. And, 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 and the other thing that I, you know, I'm a big proponent, I was, I'm kind of backed off it now, but I was a news junkie. You know mm, what I mean? So is you my know, husband. I don't get it, but okay. Yeah, you sound like my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Maybe it's a uterus uh, testicle thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, for me, I was just always trying to stay current about what was going on around the world. You know, I was just, 
And some, because sometimes, you know, listen, you know how it is when we're traveling. I was in Italy in the 80s when they bombed the Rome airport. Right. You know I mean? it, was it a was different there. news broadcast than you would have heard in America? Probably so. Oh, right? oh definitely. Definitely. Right. You know, but it was also a sobering thing, that thing that we had just come from that airport. You oh. know? Oh. Yeah. And then I'd been in I'd been in other airports that had been bombed by terrorists. And wow. you know in uh, Europe? Yeah. yeah. And all of those all of those moments are like very sobering. So a lot of times, you know, I watch the news because it is interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. It is interesting about some of the news you see abroad that you don't see here. Yes. Yes. Uh, they and, have a different uh, take on what happens in this country than we report to ourselves. Yes. Very, very different take, you know, and uh, it was an educational thing for me a lot of times. But now, you know, I, I'm so tired of what's going on in Congress and everything in D.C. So I, I can't I can't do it anymore because. It seems like the news is all about that as opposed to other things that are happening in the world. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? Your 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 good friend Spike is heavy into collecting art and uh, other memorabilia. Do you have, uh, are you a collector of any sort? Art, yeah. Art. Uh, not memorabilia, ah. yeah, but, but, you know, me and my wife, we, we whenever we can, can, you know, we try to make sure we buy a nice piece of art, you know, and with our house in New Orleans, we have a lot of art in that house. We have a lot of friends. You know CC Pounder, the actress? Heck yeah, no CC. Yeah, CC's a good friend. You know CC, she's an avid collector. Did not she know is. that. Do you and she collect mostly art from African Americans? We try. I try. Yes. But I, I try, but CC, man, she she can have multiple shows at major museums. That's how much art she has. What? No, yeah, CC is CC is ridiculous. I, I mean, did uh, not know that. Write yeah. that down, CC founder. <laughs> I'm gonna talk yeah, to her yeah. next. And look, and look, and I know she probably won't get to tell you this, but I, but it's but it's okay because I I just think it's important for people to understand how much she loves art. She bought a house just to store her art. Oh my god! As and she oh already and, and she already has. A bunch of containers and storage facilities filled with art. Wow. No, CC is so serious. So she's a serious collector. Oh, and so, that's and, an investment for life. For oh, life. For life. For life. But but it's it's for her, it's a passion. I mean, like she really, she really loves it. She really loves when people are coming up with different ideas. If she wouldn't have been a great actress, man, she would have been a museum curator. Wow. For sure. Wow. That's great to know. I I did not know that about her. I love her. Oh, yeah. well, um, look, all you got to do is ask her one question about it and just rotate. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> she could go on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I read somewhere that you took a two-year hiatus from playing your trumpet in order to relearn mm -hmm. how to correctly blow your instrument. What, what, what was that like? And what were you doing in those two years when you weren't playing the horn? Like, it was interesting because I I grew up playing incorrectly and I used to my bottom lip used to get cut all the time on the inside because I was rolling my lip over my teeth when I was playing, which is what you shouldn't do. And nobody And really your teeth it. began to cut your lip from the inside? Yeah. Wow. And I, and I was look, I I'd, I'd been playing with our Blake I played with Lana Hill. I was making records. This was in the middle of my career. I was about twenty seven years old when it when it when I had to make the change. But it's funny how the good Lord works, you know, because right as that happened, that's when I met Spike, you know, and ah. uh, I had to do, I had to coach Denzel in Mo' Better Blues, 
So that allowed me to, you know, be his coach on the film, you know, practice and still support my family. So that was a big shift, you know, and I took all of my time around that time just working on that and making the change and making the shift. And I haven't looked back since. Wow. So you had to change the position of your mouth when you put the horn to your lips so that you wouldn't keep re-injuring that cut on the inside. Yeah. And the other part of it, too, was I wasn't I wasn't having the type of flexibility that I should have had. And how, once how I do you, realized, how do you exercise flexibility in your lips? Like, how do you? What do you? Oh do? no, it's not the other way around. Because actually, it's like you know, you want to tighten your corners, and you oh. want to have the flexibility to move from low to high on the instrument. Wow! Just yeah, me so trying really, to do that the right I, way, it hurts. Just me thinking yeah. I'm doing it the right way, that hurts a little bit. Oh look, just tell if anybody wants to feel it, just take a pencil and try to hold it in between your lips, not your teeth, just your lips for five minutes. No. And you. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Do you do you share any uh, hobbies or activities with your your wife and kids? You have grown kids. Or you have young kids. I got grown. I'm all about kids are grown. You know, my my son and my middle daughter, and my wife, we're all sports fans. Wow, huge, huge sports fans. I mean, last night my wife just went to New York, but last night we were sitting down watching the opening of the NBA season. Of course, uh, you were. She's from D.C., so she was an avid Commanders fan back when they were the Redskins. Right. When they, when they came to New Orleans to play the Saints, I had season tickets. When they came to New Orleans to play the Saints, she would go sit on the... the, the uh-uh. No, yeah, she, she didn't. Sit on the other side no, of the she yeah. didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. I mean, and then wear Redskins like jersey to the oh game. Oh, my gosh. You know? okay. Yeah. We, and you know, you ever seen those little, those little helmets that people buy? Yes. No, we have a skins and a saints helmet at the house in New Orleans, and they and they face each other. I love it. Listen, yeah. you 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 don't you don't box your wife, do you? You don't. No, she'd okay. like to. She'd like to kick my butt for sure. <laughs> There's a bunch it. of times I I catch her with that look in her eye. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Please, Terrence, tell our listening audience what is it coming up for you? What projects do you have going on in your life that we should know about? Well, you know, I just became the executive artistic director at SF Jazz in San Francisco. Ah. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. So we, Do you have to we, live have, there? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm commuting back and forth, you know. Um, but we have, like, a lot of great concerts. We put on a, a bunch of concerts, you know, every, every year. As a matter of fact, I'm going up there tomorrow because I'm introducing Michelle and Deja Ocello. We have her there for four nights. Please tell her that I am sending her my love. I I adore her. I adore her and have for many years. She's amazing. She is. And then we do a lot of different things over the the course of the year. So I'm looking forward to that. And then we do a lot of community engagement. I'm looking forward to working with our artists and bringing kids to the hall so they can hear these guys play, you know, uh, and then I, you know, working on some new music for my band, you know, with the the, the E Collective and the Turtle on the String Quartet. Yes. You know, there's a couple of projects uh, that we're 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 working on right now. Uh, I can't really talk about them. Okay. Wait. We'll look forward to whatever you got coming out next. I appreciate having you here, Terrence. Um, there's a segment uh, of our show that mm-hmm. we like to call Nita What. And it's it's where I asked my guests about something that someone said or did that came to them as a shock 
or a surprise? Oh, my God. Let me think about that. As there's so many things that have happened. Think Just take your time. Let me tell you the story about how this, this podcast came to be called The Uppity Knitter. Okay. I was on tour with Michael Jackson, and we were at home for a couple of weeks, and I decided to go to the yarn store to re-up my supply to oh. take out on the road. And I bought some yarn, and I saw a little knitting circle uh, in the yarn store. So I said, let me just sit down with these lovely white ladies and just have a knit. Oh. So I, I okay. sat down, and the lady I was sitting next to, um, had she was knitting something I thought was lovely. And I said, what is that you're knitting with? That's beautiful. She said, oh. This is just cotton, you know. And then she looked at me and she said, what are you knitting with? I said, this is, this is cashmere. She said, oh, aren't you an uppity knitter? No, she didn't. Exactly. I oh, said, yes. what did you call me? She didn't. Oh, my God. Oh she, my said, God. she said, I said knitter. I said knitter. And I'm thinking, bitch, you better pronounce them T's. Cause right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, something like that happened to me with one of my with some of my friends. We were out at a restaurant in New Orleans one night, man. And this this guy came over and he was drunk. You know, he was, you know, and it's always it's it's always funny. Oh, no, I'm gonna tell you another one. Okay. You, another one. you can tell okay. me that one later too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. No, so so I'm playing with my band. You know, out in in um, and we were in uh, Wisconsin. I'll just say that I won't tell you what city, but we we were in Wisconsin. And I've been at the time. My show was really about gun violence, and I would speak on it during the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. So after the show, man, we're we're, we're outside. We're all getting in the bus to go back to the hotel, and uh, the guitarist in my band is white, and it was this this white guy standing in 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 front of the entrance to the bus, you know, blocking my way to get in. And I was like, excuse me, let me get around you. Excuse me, I got to go. I got to go. And he kept pointing to the guitarist. He said, hey, man, can I talk to you? And he said, yeah, sure, sure. He said, can you get out of the, the van? We were in the van. He said, can you get out of the van? To come? To, he says, no, 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 just talk to me now. And then he started talking about, you know, you could take your liberal bullshit and shove it up your ass. You know what I mean? Oh, my. Okay. And I said, I said, Hey, bro, you need to move on. <laughs> you need to move on. And I don't know if you ever saw that there was this video of this ex-boxer in front of a bodega, and uh, some guy was messing with him, and another guy kept saying, don't hit him, champ. Don't hit him, champ. You know what I mean? So we had <laughs> saw the video earlier. Right. So kept telling the guy, say, yo, man, you need to you need to move on. So the bass player, and it was getting pretty tense, right? You wow. Know? So the bass player was like, don't hit him, champ. Don't hit him, don't hit him, champ. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, it broke up, it broke up the tension and made us laugh. The other story that I was going to tell you was I was at a restaurant with some friends of friends of mine, and we were just sitting there having a good time. And this white dude came, he walked up to us and he goes, What does it feel like to pick cotton? Oh no, he didn't. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I was the Nitter, first guy. what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the first guy that they grabbed. You know, like, no, bro. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, bro. Wow. He's drunk. He's drunk. Just let him go on about his business. You know what I mean? But I think it's, I just think that it's just amazing, you know, how we, we experience these things 
in this in this world you know there's there's still mostly in this country though mostly in this country mostly in this country you're right you're, <laughs> yeah. you're right because we don't we don't tend to celebrate our differences that's you know true I mean? yeah that's like other true. countries do so before we go i need you to say nita what in your best nolan's voice gone girl nita what <laughs> you heard <laughs> I love it. Terrence, you are an absolute joy and a pleasure oh, to be with. Thank, thank you, you so thank much you. for your time. No, thank you, man. Thank you. You've created a lot of beautiful music, man. I've always admired everything you've done. I'm so. trying to keep up with you, man. I'm trying oh. to keep up with you. I want to be the, the lyricist that you are to to film with your trumpet and your music musicality oh. and your melodies. That's what you I want are. to be. You are. You are. Trust me. I mean... You know, trust me, you know, I, I, we haven't worked together as much as I'd like. Me either. You know, that, does, that doesn't mean that your name hasn't come up many, many times. Trust me. You know what I mean? So In a good way? Or in, 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 in okay, a very, okay, good, good. A very good way. Okay, I mean, a lot good. of times, it's just a matter of resources. You know how that goes. I do. You know? I do. Yeah. I adore you, Terrence Blanchard, and <laughs> your lovely wife as well. Please give her my love. I will. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Uppity Knitter podcast, Celebrity Hobbies Uncovered, a show where your favorite celebrities talk about their unusual hobbies. Join us next time. See you then. The Uppity Knitter podcast is brought to you by Black Chick Productions. Our show is hosted by Saida Garrett. Our producer is Eric Nuri, and we're recorded and edited by Felicia Morris at Morris Media Studios in Los Angeles. Special thanks go out to our friends at iHeartMedia and Seneca Women. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.